Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I'd like to call this a big Wednesday, but it's nothing. It got nothing on Friday and Sunday this week. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, Sports Ethos presentation. I am Dan Bespris. We have a ton to cram in today, and frankly, not as much time as I would normally like to offer up to get it done, so we are going no funny business Wednesday, and we're diving straight into the results from yesterday. Washington beat Boston in a blowout. What the hell? I mean, I know Monte Morris was back for this ballgame, and he's the big difference maker for the Wizards. He says tongue-in-cheek, but... I mean, you want to talk about a team getting kind of caught with their pants down. The good thing for Boston is that the Sixers are on a little bit of a mini losing streak with Joel Embiid beat up and uh, James Harden beat up and the whole thing like semi hanging on for Philly while they just accept the fact that they're the third seed. But this was this was a, a complete lack of focus. And I do wonder a little bit. Jalen Brown had kind of a down ball game after his big one the previous day. The, the Jalen Brown tepid response on his future in Boston stuff, I feel like that is going to start to be a thing. And if they win the playoffs, whatever whatever that means, how far they go, that'll kind of quiet it for a little bit. But if you guys are, are, are not seeing some of these clips, and, and I hate to make more of stuff than should normally be made, but it's super weird. The reporters keep asking Jalen Brown about his future with Boston, and he keeps basically saying, ah, you know, I'm going to go where I'm wanted. That's a super weird thing to say. When you could just say, yeah, looking forward to free agency. Think it should be a lot of fun. I've had a great time here in Boston. We'll see what the future brings. Just make it sound optimistic. Even if, like, what I just said didn't commit to anything, but it sounded friendly. And his responses right now don't even sound friendly. He's just like, yeah, whatever. I think they asked him a question after his huge ball game on whatever that day was. Was that uh, Sunday or something like that? Uh, he put up a 40-burger, uh, and you're like, oh, the fans gave you this massive ovation when you came off the floor. Did that make you feel really nice about things? And he was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. I come out here, I do my job. Nothing. Nothing. And maybe he's going full poker face. Maybe Jalen Brown does end up back in Boston. But damn, he's making it sound like he doesn't want to. Is that going to impact things? I mean, there's, I think there's a possibility. Meanwhile, Christoph Porzingis, who, I, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think he wants to prove to everyone that he can get to 70 games in a basketball season. And he's at 65 after this one. They have six games left on the year, and he would then have to play in five of them. We'll see, I guess. We'll see. Uh, love it for now, though. Love it for now. Monte Morris, he's playable with Beal and Kuzma out. Denny Avdi is playable with Beal and Kuzma out. DeLon Wright stayed in the starting lineup, which was kind of nice. Um, he's playable while he's starting, for sure. I know this wasn't the world's greatest DeLon Wright game, but, uh, you know, get you bored. Some assists, usually more than this, typically. Steals are very good for him. And then Kispert, He's the least enticing of the starters for Washington in this ballgame, but even he's playable with, you know, 30-some-odd minutes and shots to go around now. So the Wizards in this ballgame were very much a start-the-starters type of situation. For the Celtics, uh, Al Horford 
the Time Lord, Robert Williams, uh, someone's going to sit their game tomorrow in Milwaukee, and someone's going to sit their game back at home against the Utah Jazz. We just don't know which player is going to rest in which ball game, and you'll just kind of have to feel that thing out. Uh, but because Boston is playing on the non-high traffic Thursday, if you can figure out which is which, you might have an interesting play there. Cleveland, losers at Atlanta. Uh, no Jared Allen. That makes a pretty big difference for the Cavs defensively. Uh, but for Evan Mobley, it makes all the world of difference offensively. He gets super involved. His rebounds also spike when he gets to play his minutes at center. I, You know, I, people are like, oh, well, what if Evan Mobley gets more center minutes going forward? I, I don't know if the Cavs want... So, like, we get caught up in the fantasy desires... I think, versus the reality desires. And all of us, from a fantasy standpoint, would love to see Evan Mobley at center full-time because he's a bona fide fantasy superstar when he's playing full center minutes. But here's the problem. Jared Allen has three years and $60 million left on his contract, which is, frankly, a relatively affordable contract for one of the better big men in the NBA. I know he's not like a offensive force or anything like that but Jared Allen is an excellent rim protector uh he's not a liability on offense so reasonable contract makes the Cavs better when he's healthy it's hard to see Cleveland going well let's just move him out of the way so that Mobley can get more rebounds and blocks be nice for everybody anyone among us that wants to see Mobley have you know a top 30 fantasy season but as long as he's playing his minutes at power forward, he's more of a 50-60 range guy right now. And I don't know that that changes in the super near future. I'm unsure if the best, if the right deal came along, they'd have to consider it. But they are better when Jared Allen's around. I thought we'd get more out of Karis Levert. He'd been kind of warm. Perhaps this is, we're seeing this sort of teeter-totter. You knew that he wasn't going to stay hot forever. But when... One of the starters is out. Usually that allows Levert to have a little bit more of a role, and he played 34 minutes here, so the role was there. He just didn't get that many shots. Donovan Mitchell took 33 shots in this ballgame. Maybe, you know, spread the wealth around a little bit. They almost won. Almost won. Uh, missed a bunch of free throws. That hurt him. Lamar Stevens, Karis Levert, and Evan Mobley went a combined 0 for 7 at the free throw line, and Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland went 15 for 15. Fun little juxtaposition there. On the Atlanta side, Okongwu, 20 and a half minutes, and continues to just dominate when he's on the floor. And there's a similar thing going on here where, like, from a fantasy perspective, Okongwu is fantastic. There are games where the Hawks need Clint Capella to just be a bigger body, this wasn't really one of those games, and yet Capella still got 27 and a half minutes. Clint was a minus 14, Okongo was a plus 15. I mean, it, that to me smells like a situation where Okongo should see, I don't know, two extra minutes or something like that. But Quinn Snyder feels, it seems like at least, pretty married to this 28-20 split between Capella and Okongo. And luckily, it's fantasy value for both of them. It just it just seems like to all of us here on the outside watching these ball games and and looking at how the numbers reflect, it feels like Okongwu has kind of jumped him. But you know, defensively, again, they they sometimes they want the Capella rebounding out there and blah blah blah. But 
whatever. Um, as I said yesterday, no real changes here. John Collins has played his way into that full starters role. Sadiq Bey was a little bit better in this ball game, but you know he was part of a unit that was winning its time on the floor. Schedule streamer. Bogdan, schedule streamer. DeAndre Hunter, schedule streamer. Trey Young was was dismal. Dismal. This was the fear, by the way, at the beginning of the season when I said in 9-cat I wasn't touching Trey Young anywhere because I figured with DeJounte Murray coming in, there just simply wouldn't be as much for Trey to do. And there's not as much for Trey to do. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Season over season, there's just not as much. I mean, I like we overcomplicate things in the fantasy world. We convince ourselves that an efficiency jump will come when a guy gets slightly easier shots, but it's, it's rarely, it's rarely so simple. Now, in Trey's defense, he still has 10 assists per ballgame, so at least that number didn't taper off for him. But field goal percent is actually down, back closer to his career mark. It seems more and more like last year was the upward aberration. Usage isn't that much lower for Trey. It's only a little bit of a downtick. But field goal percent is back down where it was. Uh, Three-pointers are down from three to two. More of his shots have come from inside the arc because he wasn't making his threes, so he just kind of stopped taking them. And I don't know, maybe you could bet on a Trey bounce back, but like he's always going to get a little bit overdrafted because of his stat set, because he does profile better as an 8-cat or a points league guy than he does 9-cat. He's going to be hard to be a value ever in 9-cat. Whatever. Miami lost at Toronto. Uh, this is a weird one. I mean, Jimmy Butler came into this ball game probable and then got wiped out at the last minute, which is like such a Jimmy Butler thing to do. But I don't want to give him too hard of a time because he's actually been playing basically ever since it looked like Miami was going to have a tough time getting into a decent playoff spot. And frankly, they still are. They're the seven seed right now, half game back in the nets. They're in the play-in, so you know they'd love to get out of that mess. Uh, but they are four games over 500, so at least they're relatively safe from a like getting to the play-in standpoint. And Jimmy Butler's going to take a lot of heat, but he's played more games this year than Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, Dame. He's going to finish with more games than Dame, more games than Tyrese Halliburton, more games than Kyrie Irving. He's going to be basically about... He's going to be finished with more games than James Harden. He's only one game behind Luka Doncic. So if you're looking at 
Jimmy Butler and saying, oh, well, you can't trust him because he doesn't play any ball games. Well, then you kind of have to say that about the eight or nine other guys that I just listed off. There's a reputation thing that plays a factor. Jimmy Butler is number 12 by totals on the season. Got drafted in the mid... Well, where did he go? Ended up going at the end of all this stuff. I guess it depends a little bit on your format. Nine Cat Roto, he went more towards late 20s. Um, I got him in a Yahoo Roto League at 33. He's number 12 by totals. So he's just blitzing that in both averages and totals. And a lot of people, I think, are going to look back at this season and go, ah, Jimmy Butler, he missed a bunch of time again. Eh, yeah, I mean, some, but who didn't? Anyway, he was out. So Tyler Hero got 21 shots, and he made a lot of them, which, of course, that's the fear. Will he make a lot of them or miss a lot of them? I thought you might get a better game out of Victor Oladipo filling in as the starter, but nah. And otherwise, you don't venture much farther down the path. We talked about how everyone else on the Heat is basically a schedule stream, and they just were all terrible in this one. So whatever. Toronto, no Gary Trent Jr., although we're hearing that he is close. So maybe you get him back later this week. Scotty Barnes, huge ball game. OG, good. Freddie Van Fleet, meh. Pascal, solid. Uh, Precious Achua had a better game off the bench because Jakob Pertl kind of struggled a little bit in this one uh, with Bam Adebayo. Um, I wouldn't expect Precious to be this decent on a night-to-night basis. And then Chris Boucher got 28 minutes again. Uh, tough. Those are dice rolls. Dice rolls there. Memphis beat Orlando 113-108. No jaw. So Tyus Jones got 34 minutes and was frankly not very good. But you're going to play him anytime jaw misses the ball game. The averages will work themselves out. JJJ fouled out in 26 minutes. First foul out for JJJ since the All-Star breaks. So that's a good sign for him. Luckily for the Grizzlies, they had the trio of Xavier Tillman, Luke Kennard, and Desmond Bain to walk them through this ballgame. Desmond had 31. Uh, if not for injuries this year, it really could have been uh, a whopper of a season for him, but he just he got derailed by, I mean, how many injuries? One, there was the one really big one, and then there were the little ones kind of interspersed there. Overall, decent season, but you, you want a guy to be healthy, and he wasn't. Fewer games than Jimmy Butler, by the way, if we're going to play the did Jimmy play more game. Luke Kennard has had a nice role with Memphis so far. Tough to trust night to night, but uh, three-pointer stream, he makes sense. And then we talked about yesterday on the show, Xavier Tillman, this is still his starter's job for the Grizzlies. And the only reason that he had those down games was the opponents. When the Grizzlies go against a team that basically runs without a center for a while, his minutes went way down. And it was the back-to-back with the Rockets. He played 40 minutes combined in those two ball games. Played plenty of minutes against Dallas, just wasn't very good in that one. But otherwise, you know, big minutes against the Warriors, big minutes against the Hawks, big minutes here against the Magic. They've got Zubots and the Clippers coming up twice. I'd feel pretty comfortable rolling Tillman out there against basically any team that has a starting center. And sorry, Houston, I know Alperen Sengun is a starting center, but he's always in foul trouble he gets played off the floor because of defense. So, you know, the, and JJJ could handle him. So Memphis didn't need to go big. On the Orlando side, the uh, the backup center thing is silly as hell. You're not going to pick up Goga Batadze. I, I know that this was a nice game for him, but you're just not doing it. And uh, now that Jalen Suggs is back, and he was terrible in this one, he and Cole Anthony are going to rotate who has playable basketball games. 
everything else stays the same. You YouTubers get to see that I've upgraded my uh, my drinking implement here. It's a Cal Bears mug. Represent a little bit the alma mater, bad though we may be at sports. The Zombie Hornets do it again, ladies and gentlemen. P.J. Washington with 43. What a mondo game. Svi Mikhailiuk, 18 points, 8 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. That was crazy. No Dennis Smith Jr., so Theo Maladon filled in. Had four blocks from the point guard spot in this game. I mean, this was this was really a wacky one. Nick Richards had some foul issues in the first half, so Kai Jones picked up a few extra minutes as the backup center. But now they're into the rotation thing here. So Nick Richards got his start. Now he'll probably slot in behind Mark Williams, or maybe they go into a full timeshare in the next ballgame. And then the one after that, Kai Jones will back up Mark Williams. And then you'll be back to this iteration again which is super silly but at least we know what's coming so on the roto side you can make your plays accordingly head to head you're avoiding the center situation entirely pj's a go uh we'll see if gordon hayward or terry rozier or dennis smith jr plays again this season i, I just i honestly don't know the hornets keep winning right now regardless of who they're playing the hornets have won three games in a row but again we've talked about this before they basically have like a five game buffer on both sides so they are the fourth worst record in the NBA, and there's almost nothing they can do to change that at this point. So they can play hard, and they can just let guys roll if they're playing well. To that, to that end, I think probably we do see Dennis Smith Jr. He's not like an old veteran who's had a huge, wonderful career. He, When he plays, he's basically playing for, for whatever contracts come next. So I think we do see Dennis Smith Jr. again this season. So that would make Maladone kind of a tough play, although those guys may end up in a little bit of a timeshare. I don't know what the deal is with Hayward and Kelly Oubre. They might just be done for the season. It's really hard to know with Charlotte right now. So would you pick up Mikhailiuk? Uh I mean, Charlotte's schedule is not that great, so probably not. And on the Roto side, you can wait a little bit because they're off for a couple days here. Uh, Oklahoma City, no Shea. I mean, this felt like a game where they figured they could rest Shea and still get the win because they've got Detroit tonight, a, a double tank fest back-to-back, -back, and this was, like so many other teams, actually, in the Western Conference battle, a brutal loss against a team that they really shouldn't have lost to. Mavericks lost to them twice. Thunder have lost to the Hornets. Lakers lost to the Rockets. Pelicans lost to the Rockets in there. All of these teams are really trying to just sort of diarrhea their way into the end of the play and and someone's not going to make it. Right now, the Mavs and the Thunder are tied for the 10. Jazz are a game and a half back, so they're probably done. Lakers are a half game up on the Thunder and Mavs. Pels are a half game up on the Lakers. Wolves are a game up on the Pels. I know, a whopper of a gap there. Warriors, who had a big comeback win over the Pelicans yesterday stayed in the sixth seed. If they lost that game, they would have fallen into the seven behind the Timberwolves. Wolves, meanwhile, their schedule gets pretty tough here. Uh, they are... Uh, they won at the Kings. That was a pretty good win for Minnesota. They're in Phoenix today for what is supposed to be the Kevin Durant return game, and they host the Lakers. Uh, they got the Blazers and the Nets and the Spurs. Uh, so there's a there's a path there for the Wolves. They can get through these next couple. Get one out of two even. I think they're in pretty good shape to maybe even avoid the play-in. 
Whatever. Doesn't matter. We're not talking about the Wolves right now. Warriors came back, beat the Pelicans, 120-109. Huge second half for Golden State. Steph leading the charge uh, with just eight Yahtzees across the board. Can't even get that in Yahtzee. Uh, 39 points, eight boards, eight assists, eight three-pointers. Yeah, hi, Steph. Draymond was a team best, plus 26. He's just... He's just the cog, man. Jonathan Kaminga was better in this one. Um, he got the start at power forward. Jordan, or uh, excuse me, uh, Kevon Looney shifted to the bench with the Warriors figuring that they could uh, throw Kaminga on Brandon Ingram. And it, I mean, it generally worked. Kaminga was a plus 17. Man, how I needed this type of minutes for Kaminga last week. Fantasy League where I was hoping that he would put together a good one. Uh, but this is a matchup thing. Typically, you're going to be able to roll with Looney and get your, you know, 8 to 10 rebounds and very little else. As far as New Orleans goes, we've talked about how they are a brilliant schedule play this week. And you just need to squeeze some half-decent games out of the fringe guys. And for Josh Richardson, this is enough in a four-game week when you're gaining, you know, three possibly games over an overload player. Or Najee Marshall, who wasn't very good here, but 6-3-3, three, and three, you do that four times... 24, 12, and 12. You assume there'd be a steal or a block mixed in there. That's better than what you're going to get out of one game of a non-overload play. Herb Jones, Josh Richardson, all that stuff. Larry Nance played more in this one. All of these guys, because you're adding earlier this week probably three games due to overloads, the Pelicans, no matter how bad those fringy players are, they are probably still going to add up to more than what you left behind. And ain't that what it's all about? You want to gain something. Every move you make should be for the gain. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of the look-ahead stuff today. I, we can't go quite as in-depth. I can't do the dual shows today simply because I do have uh, an event at my kids' preschool. And then we've got a couple of business meetings in the afternoon here at Sports Ethos. Um, so we're going to jam them all together. We don't have... Uh, a ton of data on who's in and who's out yet for the uh, the ten game card tonight, but a few things to keep watch on: uh, Milwaukee. Will Chris Middleton sit this ball game? Miles Turner on the Indiana side uh, still hasn't sort of fully had the 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 season shutdown marker put on him yet. Buddy Heald has already already been ruled out, so we got the word on that this morning. It feels like he's probably done for the season. Um, we actually just got word that Larry Markinen is out tonight as well. So, I mean, this this type of stuff is going to be trickling through all day today, and you just kind of have to be ready for it. So apologies that we can't get another uh, big show going in the afternoon, but it is what it is. So keep tabs on who's playing for Indiana. Houston and Brooklyn, really nothing there. Uh, Dallas, the regulars are good to go. Philly... I think we probably do see Harden and Embiid back for this ball game, but you never know, and that would make DeAnthony Melton a much tougher play because that would bring Philly back to basically full strength. Miami, I think we probably do get Jimmy Butler. It felt like they were resting him on the front end of a, of a travel back-to-back, -back. Uh, but we'll see. Jalen Brunson questionable for the Knicks. If he's out, obviously you go Emmanuel quickly. Uh, Lakers, uh, D'Angelo Russell probable, so he likely now comes back for L.A. after missing a couple of ball games. LeBron is questionable, which that does make me a little bit nervous. I think he probably plays. It feels like he would be admitting defeat if he came back, played in that game on Sunday, and then was not able to go in this one after two days of rest. 
And these games are beyond critical for the Lakers. Uh, this game in Chicago, they got to get one out of two from the Bulls. Then they go to Minnesota, or a really tough game on Friday. Then they got Houston on Sunday. Maybe you see somebody get that one off for L.A., but I just I don't know how they do it at this point. So to me, if LeBron is even remotely close, he's going to go. And this is going to kind of knock some dudes out for L.A. I do think Austin Reeves stays in the starting lineup, even when the Lakers are fully healthy. Um, Dennis Schroeder is likely the guy that moves to the bench, so don't drop Austin Reeves. Um, but if you want to drop Schroeder, you probably can. Uh, it just there, there just wouldn't be enough left for him, especially now knowing already that Russell is probable. Alex Caruso questionable for the Bulls. Otherwise, they are at full strength. You got some uh, the typical kind of schedule play sort of dudes there, but you know this juncture in the week when they go all high volume days, I don't know that there's much you do there on the head to head side. Anyway, Larry Markkinen getting ruled out for the Jazz means that you can probably roll with Ochai Abaji. Walker Kessler has been killing it. Kelly Olynyk gets a bump with no Markkinen. Um, Fontecchio has been okay when Markkinen sat, but he's questionable, so that makes it a little bit of a tougher play. And then THT, you know, you have to be punting some stuff there. You know the drill. Spurs figured out, man. It sounds like most of the regulars are going. I don't think we have word on Devin Vassell yet, but Trey Jones is probable. Zach Collins is probable on the last marker. Uh, so Vassell is a maybe, I mean, he, with the Spurs, freaking Spurs. This is actually, and I think I said it yesterday, we'll know a lot based on whether or not anybody rests in this ballgame. Like, does Keldon Johnson play in this one? Because if folks are resting for the Spurs and it's not a back-to-back in any capacity and it's not even remotely close to a back-to-back, you could just assume that the regulars are going every other ball game. And that is impossible, I think, to hold head-to-head side, uh, especially when they're going on these high-volume days. Roto, you probably just hold on and you get what you can get out of those dudes. But, you know, so whatever. Uh, for the Clippers, first chance to get a look at Nick Batum in the starting lineup, uh, or second chance, rather. He's probably playable. We'll wait on word of Norman Powell, but even if he does come back, I, I can't imagine Powell would play more than about 20, 22 minutes. He does probably cut into Eric Gordon. He might cut into Batum as well. He might get into Russell Westbrook, but we'll kind of wait and see on that one. I don't think that I would freak out about anybody here if Powell makes his return. I don't think I'd freak about freak out about the other guys until we see after uh, the fact. Memphis Jaw is probable, so he's already expected to be back, so that wipes out the Tyus Jones thing. You can move on from that direction. I would expect Shea to be back for Oklahoma City in this one. Uh, they're going to need to make sure that they get the win over the Pistons. Marvin Bagley is probably a go on the Roto side. I still like Jalen Duran, even though he's coming off the bench. The rest of the Pistons, to me, uh, are head-to-head type plays uh, or punt type plays, and you can roll from there. Sacramento, uh, nothing. Kings are pretty well locked in. Portland, they're in full shutdown mode. So, Shaden Sharp, Drew Eubanks are probably the guys in the starting five you can really trust. Thibel sounds kind of interesting to me here against a Sacramento team that goes real fast. So, there will be a couple of turnovers to be had somewhere in this one. I don't think that I'm rolling Nas Little. I don't think that I'm rolling uh, Archie Diacono. Uh, if we magically hear from Trenton Watford, I would play him, but I don't think he's going. And then the nightcap, the fun one out in Phoenix. We finally get to see Kevin Durant make his home debut for the Phoenix Suns. 
I made a joke yesterday, it was not a very good one, that the Suns need to have 15 staffers wiping down the court. No wet spots, damn it. No wet spots. Let's get KD back in the mix, baby. Uh, Minnesota should have their full complement here, which means Mike Conley's probably not going to have a terrific line. I still like slow-mo, even coming off the bench. He's just going to collect all the small forward and power forward minutes that he can handle, and they are simply better when he's out there, um, and he's been really good since Cat came back, so uh, hold on until you don't have to anymore. For Phoenix, um, you know, Joshua Kogi's still in the starting five, but, I, I, you know, he's already cooled off, so I don't know that you even really need me to talk about him, but I don't think you need to do anything with it. And uh, let's hope we get a, a taste of Kevin Durant going, you know, mid, mid to high 20s in minutes here. He's been out for a few weeks, but, you know, it's not like a three-month absence, and presumably he's been able to kind of work himself up, so... I would expect 25 minutes out of KD. So, hell yeah, I'd play him in every format. Let's hope it happens. Okay, a little bit of schedule stream stuff today. Um, You know, I I don't know that you guys even really need me to go through the long streaming board in any excruciating detail because we've talked already this week about how minimally important today is in the streaming board. It's not important, but for a couple of... Very unique, but not not like solo unique situations. And those are, get ready, the Charlotte Hornets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Golden State Warriors, the Orlando Magic, the Toronto Raptors, and the Washington Wizards. There are six teams in the NBA right now that played yesterday that only go Friday and Sunday the rest of the week. Those teams have just two games the rest of the week, as you guys just heard, And they are both overload day games. Meaning, you guys already know where I'm going with this. If you have a fringy player on the Hawks, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Magic. Did I say this right? No, not the Grizzlies. Sorry. (laughs) I got ahead of myself here. The Magic, the Raptors, the Wizards. And we're talking like severely fringy. You need to move on. So Jalen Suggs. Cole Anthony on Orlando are the two names that leap out to me on that board. Toronto, uh, Boucher, Achua, even Gary Trent, who's been dinged up for the Wizards. Uh, Even someone like a DeLon Wright, who I like a lot as a starter, but fringy. I think Monte Morris, he's been great when Beal and Kuzma are out, but a little bit fringy. Possibly even Denny Avdia for the Cavaliers, Levert. I don't think that you would probably have anybody else. Atlanta, you've got maybe Bay, Bogdanovich, whatever. So, and then with Charlotte, who the hell knows who's playing for that team right now? And the Warriors, Looney, Kaminga, DiVincenzo, whatever, blah, blah, blah. On and on and on. You guys, you guys know the list. We're talking about players that are profiling basically between like a 100 or later, and then maybe even extending a little bit in front of that, depending on the options you could move to here. But what do you do is the question here. Uh, we've isolated the teams that have a terrible schedule the rest of the week, but what do you do with it? Well, first of all, you want to check to see if today is an overload day because if it is, then there's no point in picking someone up who plays Wednesday, Friday, Sunday because you might not end up gaining any games out of that. If today's not an overload day, you can look at a team that plays Wednesday and then hopefully two more games the rest of the week, which is quite a few Uh, A lot of the teams that go today also go on the overloads, but not all of them. Not all of them. Uh, Clippers go Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. 
for instance. And Milwaukee goes Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, for instance. So there are a couple of examples out there of teams that go today uh, that don't play, that still play three times, so today and two more, but it's today and something besides both Friday and Sunday. So you could pivot to that direction if you don't have an overload situation today. So you'd gain the game today. You'd gain that other non-overload day. And you basically add two to your ledger. We've already talked about how the Pelicans have the best schedule this week. They play on two non-overload days, tomorrow and Saturday. So, you know, less important if you are not overloaded today. Um then you can wait on that one because you still have the opportunity to kind of move into a team today. Um, but if you are overloaded today, then the Pelicans are a team that you should be looking at there because that's another situation where you can drop a player and gain two ball games. That's what I want you guys focused on right now. What can I do to gain two games played the rest of the week, factoring in that these overload days, a player you're removing you can replace with somebody else. And that's it. That's the long streaming right now. Um, because the rest of this week is super weird. It's a big day today, super quiet tomorrow, Mondo Friday, super quiet Saturday, and another Mondo Sunday. 13 gamers, those last two. Friday and Sunday, I should say. Um, the only thing I guess I would say is, you know, you should almost have used all your moves up by tomorrow. Because once you get into the Friday, Saturday, Sunday situation, you know, it's not like there's someone you could pick up on Sunday to make a big difference. Um, the only reason you would hold on to a move would be until Saturday. You might have a little bit of a better idea of what categories you need to attack. And the options on Thursday versus the options on Saturday, you know, it's a little bit of a wash, but maybe you like one of the fringy players more on one of those days, like Thursday is Boston, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Denver. Uh, Boston has some fringy guys. Milwaukee has some fringy guys. If you look at Saturday, it's Dallas, Miami, Clippers, and also New Orleans again. Would you know we talked them into the ground at this point? But uh, Miami has a couple of fringy guys. Clippers have a couple of fringy guys. So if there's a stat you're hunting where you know you want to wait until Saturday and you feel like you can maybe get some three pointers out of like an Eric Gordon or Norman Powell if he's back or Max Struess on the Miami side. Okay, I get it. You could wait until Saturday, but you kind of don't have to because if a player gets hurt on your team, you can probably have someone on your bench to pop into their spot on the overload days anyway. So you're likely not going to lose games played due to injury rolling this point forward. All right, we managed to cram the look back and the look ahead all into one show today. I uh, hope you guys are enjoying it when we can split them up because it allows us to go uh, a lot deeper and not have to speed run it through the look ahead part of the show, but we did a little bit of a speed run today and that's okay. I am Dan Vespers promo free Wednesday because I'm in a hurry. So you guys are all in luck. I'll see you over on Twitter or on the sports ethos website uh, or in our discord. That might be the best way to hang out during the off season, which is coming up. We will of course continue to have shows all off season long at Dan Vespers on Twitter at ethos fantasy BK. Make sure to check out our baseball coverage. So you have something to play when basketball ends. Eat those fantasy BB on Twitter. Uh, and we'll get Joe on this show at some point here to talk about the baseball stuff we got going on over at Sports Ethos as well. Again, I'm Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Uh, later for now, everybody. Later for now, everybody.